We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It has been a week, and I know last week I promised you oh, it's not going to take another week for an episode. I lied because over the weekend, just so happens that Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder announced that they'd be having a press conference, and that made me a little bit busy at ESPN, as you can imagine. So I had to plan travel last minute, do all these crazy things. So we had to make sure that we pushed the podcast back a couple of days, and that is why we're recording now and giving you this boxing and MMA podcast in the middle of the week so that we can squeeze in that event and talk about the shenanigans that happened to LA. I was there. We'll get to that in a little while. Outside of that, we also have to talk about Shakur Stevenson's latest performance, Teofimo Lopez's fight being postponed until August. We're going to preview the fights for this upcoming weekend, Charlo, NY, and Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. That's right. I did not misspeak. Chavez Sr. is fighting probably for the last time this weekend. And then, 
of course, we have to talk about UFC 263, style bender, all the stuff that went down there, and preview Korean Zombie versus Dan Hidge coming up this weekend. So a packed show of combat sports today. It feels so good to be back, but I want to start off, Dre, by talking about the beauties that are traveling for work. Few things feel better than traveling on the company dime. Okay. Are you so? What? You're, you're so used to this. Yeah. See, this is this is what happens when you talk to someone who's been doing this for like a decade and a half, two decades. So, for those who just now get a traveling budget, I used to have to break my back to go to events, save my own dough, go make sure I got there. I stayed in motel sixes and, and doing wild stuff. Now, I just go. I click the little button. They're like, which hotel would you like to stay in? Just giving me a bunch of options. They're like, oh, don't worry about this. You need Ubers. It's expensed. Here goes your food money, all of this stuff. And I just, I feel giddy like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm old and washed. I've done this too long. <laughs> You're about to get back on the road soon. So you got yeah. it's going to feel like the first time again. No, it'll never feel like the first time. <laughs> were you happy when you first started when they when I, were first like yo here's here's your travel budget yeah of course i mean anytime i got to uh do trips on the company dime it felt great originally then after a while you go when you do a lot of traveling you get tired man like sometimes you just don't feel like taking a flight or you get sick of those uh after the fight the sunday morning flight you get really sick of those real quick um <sighs> those are rough yeah those so, super early morning like 6 a.m. Yeah. flight home. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily like those. But I mean, you know, they, I've had I've traveled for different companies doing different things. And, you know, life and times was when I was with Jay-Z site. That was the best because our expenses were absurd. Like <laughs> we ran up the company dime something serious. That was that might have been abusive. Hove got it. Yeah, that's what, you know, they, they just told us it was like, well, how much do you guys need, you know, per diem for food or, you know, where you're staying at and all this shit. You can expense everything like I guess probably the best yeah, what I call it, the best one. Yeah. NBA All-Star Weekend in Houston. Uh, that's when we did the Paul George documentary Playoff P before he became Playoff P. Uh, <laughs> I think it was his first All-Star game. Yeah, it was his first All-Star game. Uh, and we stayed in Houston for five days for All-Star Week. And we didn't stay at the NBA All-Star Hotel. We picked another hotel because it was just way too expensive and it would have put us out of budget. But we spent all our time with Paul George. So we were in the, the team, the All-Star Hotel. And yeah, that we partied with Paul George. We, we partied by ourselves. We ran up like a thousand dollar bar tab. It was it was ridiculous. Yo, those are the best. Per diem's the best. First off, like cool, get per diem. Then if you have like a specialty dinner or work dinner, then you'd be like, oh, I got this too, and then you can charge that. It's it's the fruits of the job. The it's so funny because this is like I, I didn't really think about it. this. Is truly your first experience being you know. All expenses paid, every your travels covered, everything's covered. Like you haven't really had this before. No, like I was just dipping my toe in the water and the Rona snuck up on me. Like the, the stupid mask gift that you always post. 
and it crept up on me. It was like, nope, give me that budget. So no, this is like my first time with stuff opening back up. And um, we'll talk about, like I went to LA and it was nice to just experience that. It's like, yeah, everything is, everything is handled. Everything is paid for. Um, I got frequent flyer miles still. So I was like, what? I'm not sitting in coach with the peasants. Bump me up. So I have like comfort plus. I did not have enough miles to do a first class this time. But that, that'll happen again when I travel more. So I got the upgrade to comfort plus. Damn near the same thing, people. You get free drinks. I'm relaxing. I get on the plane early. I don't have to go through the, the normal Delta line. Like, no, sir, I'm sky priority. So I get to do all of that. It was the experience itself of traveling on a company dime. It's just, it's just so much fun. I was like, I can see why Dre was doing this for 15 years. The only bad part is, is that I can't take you out as part of a company or business dinner because you never allow it because it would count towards the bets I owe you. And you're not going to let me sneak out the back door on these bets. No, absolutely not. You got to pay with your own money, buddy. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, that is so not fair. I cannot take you out to dinner and have it count on fight weekend. No. But outside that's of that. A, that's a business expense that you can bill to the company. That's a company meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all damn shame. Damn shame with that. So outside of that, though, the, the perks are great. Now, I go to LA, short notice. I do a quick 24-hour trip. Uh, take the flight out there. I'd stay the night and come back on that early flight, like you were talking about before. So before we recorded this podcast, I took the best of naps because that early morning flight just hit different. Like I came home, I was like, oh, the kids are happy to see me. The wife is happy to see me. I was like, yo, we got to like take a nap though. Like everyone wants to be bouncing off the walls and we got to go here, got to do there. It's like, nah, I need, I need a nap first. My body ain't built for that. So took the best of naps. I'm refreshed, feeling good for this pod. And then I'm looking back and you know what? LA as a city, I don't think it's for me. Mm, I, why? So I went out to dinner last night. My best friend lives in LA. Lived in LA for like five, six years now. And he was like, yo, he lives right downtown, close to where I was. So I walked from my hotel across from Staples Center, across from the ESPN offices, walked to his crib, like half a mile, easy. And then he was like, yo, my neighborhood's dope. Took me to like a rooftop um, lounge for a second. Then we went to his crib, then went to this place for dinner. It was cool. It was like a little hipster joint. Um, I don't know, it's called something, toolbar, something. Um, and it's a store in the front it's a hardware shop or something is the name of it. It looks like a normal hardware store during the day. You can't tell it's a restaurant. It opens its door at night and the entire restaurant's inside. And it's like, oh, look at me. Um, I'm camouflaged. So it's like a hipster joint, I guess you got to know about to know that it's an actual restaurant. So it was cool and all that. But looking around, it's just, it's not my bounce in LA. The traffic sucks. But shout out to my Uber drivers who like know all this ways to skirt traffic. So they got me to the airport in like 20 minutes. But the traffic sucks like that, that whole, oh, I'm cool vibe. It's, it's not for me. I just, I don't see, I don't see the grandeur of Los Angeles. To me, it's on my list of overrated cities. Like when I go to New York, I feel New York. I love being in New York. 
You lived in New York. That's not different. Fair. Not even when I go home. I lived in the Bronx. Like when I go home to the Bronx, it's like I never left. Like, you know, everybody's still on block. I see everybody. I'm chilling. That the Bronx is different. I go to the same places I ate since I was three years old. I'm talking about when I go to the city. Oh, yeah. When okay. I leave Harlem, when I visit my family in Harlem, I go down into the city. I feel New York. I feel Manhattan. Like we were running around uh, maybe a week. And it, Manhattan just felt different. LA's like, whatever. We haven't done Mania Week and, you know, our brunch and all that stuff out there. We'll see about that in two years, I guess, not even next year. But it's still just, it. nothing pops to me. It's, it's definitely that. I haven't been to Miami yet, but I'd say LA might be my most overrated city. And then Dallas. Yeah. Dallas was whack. I mean... Sorry to all my Texas people. A lot of a lot of Texas people listen to this show. No, nah, but they'll tell Dallas you it's whack, whack too. Yeah. Dallas is whack. Everybody I heard Houston is dope. Yes, Houston. Ramon. Yeah. Um, Houston's no, incredible. Houston. Dallas is whack. Yeah, yeah. Dallas is trash. Austin nah. was cool. Dallas, Dallas was horrible. I mean, Austin's Austin is whack too, unless you're going for South by Southwest. I've never gone any other reason. Yeah, exactly. So it really depends on when you travel. Like, what are you going for? So obviously, like. You go to New York. New York is always busy, always congested, always too many fucking people. I mean, I live there. I work there. I travel there a lot. It's yeah, it's it's different. It's like traveling to Vegas. There's no other place like it. like everything's really centralized in New York, unless you got to go to shit that's not in New York, which is like, in a borough. And that's terrible. Or Jersey. Depends on what part. of Jer- Well, they ain't shit to do in Jersey. I mean, what are you doing in Jersey anyway? No, I mean, you got to travel for shit. Like, we had to travel for WrestleMania. Yeah, people- I mean, that's MetLife. That doesn't really count. That still feels like New York. Yeah, no one's going deep into Jersey. Well, that's shit deep into Jersey. Who's I drove to New Atlantic City for a fight once, and that shit was... That was a trek. But yeah, yeah no, one, no one's going to Newark either. Nah, it just depends on where you're going and why. Like, L.A., it has its perks. It depends on what you're doing there. And I've been to L.A. a billion times, and it's like... Sometimes it's whack. Sometimes it's okay. Depends on what you're doing. Like, are you eating? Are you, you know, how much downtime do you have? Because majority of the time when I travel, I'm working. And I don't have a whole lot of downtime. I try to find some, but it's almost impossible. Especially when you, the other thing is, it also depends on who's there when you go, right? So if, like, you got a cool crew that you travel with, then it's fun. Traveling by yourself, which I do a lot, is, it depends. Right. Yeah. It it really depends on like, do you want to explore? Do you want to walk around by yourself? Fortunately, I know people in cities. So it's like when I go places, I'm like, yo, and see if anybody is available, then cool. If not, then I'm in my hotel room playing video games. Sometimes (laughs) I don't even leave because I don't care. That is that is something you would do. But I mean, I've been to L.A. more than enough times now for work and then um, leisurely activity because my like lives out there. So I take my kids to see my aunt out there all the time and I'll just randomly pop up. Um, I'll pop up on, you know, Marcus Vandenberg reverse right back and just go chill at his crib. I think I watched the Royal Rumble where AJ Styles debuted at Marcus's crib randomly because I was just in town. So whenever I'm in town, he's like, yo, come over, we chill. Um, And that's cool. That's probably my best part of LA. And that's before Marcus moved to the Burbs. But when he lived in the city, I would randomly get Jamaican food from this dope spot on La Cienega and then just pop up in Marcus Vandenberg crib. 
and chill there. Like Santa Monica Pier is my spot. Like I'd love going there and going to the beach. But outside of that, nah, yo, like LA is it it's so overrated to me. It's just I, I I've had good times in LA. I can't say I've had great times in LA. Like nothing spectacular about my trips to LA. Shit, I have. Those are my, like my music industry days, MLA parties. Woo, buddy. Oh, I did go to one one crazy random party in a factory. Now sponsored by like Adidas and someone else in school. Like Q was performing. It was like a pop-up party. Yeah, like that's see, that's the thing about LA. Like LA is everybody's there. So it's like if you're in the industry and you go to a party or you do something that's part of the industry, it's then it's kind of fun. It just depends on what you're doing, man. It depends on who you know. Like me personally, I like San Diego. I'm big on the, I like the gas lamp district. I've gone for Comic-Con multiple years. I like San Diego because everything's centralized. LA, it's like everything's spread out and you got to get in a car to go somewhere and there's traffic. Nobody wants to do that shit. You don't do public transportation in LA. In New York, you take the subway. Yep. Miami is uh, dope though. I fuck with Miami. I will never fuck with like Tampa. That's whack. Can't do that. But, no, no. Tampa, Tampa looks like it's three blocks long. It's whack. Nobody like Tampa's whack. There's a lot of whack cities. I like I like traveling, but it depends why you're traveling. Like a lot of people will say that they've been places and they haven't really been places. Like they'll do like a there'll be like a layover and they're like, yo, I was in. No, you weren't. That's not the same thing. Like, if you go and you spend a day in the city, that's different. But if you go and you're, like, working and you don't see anything, to me, that's not really traveling. That's just kind of going places. Because you can do it at home. It's the same thing. So, overrated cities, I don't know. I don't necessarily call it L.A. overrated. It's just really what you're going for. I, there's a lot of whack-ass cities, but there's shit to do in L.A. I would go to random shows by myself. I do shit by myself. But that's kind of how I roll. Like, if nobody's there, I don't care. I'll go to a movie by myself. I don't give a shit. You're, you are a weird guy, but yeah, I believe that you would just randomly pop in on a movie by yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, you care. went to Comic Con by yourself. Yes, I had a always, ball. I go to everything by myself because nobody else is doing the shit that I was doing. Like, I would take, you know, occasionally, I bring my wife or something, and but then she she got tired of it too. She's like, oh, I'm doing it sitting in a fucking hotel room, so it's like, why am I going? You know, and I'm at Comic Con kicking it. So there is there is no reason for her to go sometimes. Other times, if I can get her into stuff, then it's kind of cool. So it's like, yeah, I'm used to this. I fights, events, everything. Film festivals, I do everything by myself. I don't care. What are your underrated cities? One, I've never been to San Diego. The closest what? I got is I took my son to Legoland when he was like four. That's seven years ago. I don't even know what city that is, but that's that's San Diego. Outside. Well, no, well, it's, it's outside. It's, yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit north, north of, it. of it. Yeah, but, so that's yeah. as close as I've gotten. I've wanted to go to San Diego for a very long time. We have not been yet. I'm sure me and the wife will just drive down because um, it's such an easy vacation, it seems like. But yeah. never been to San Diego. San Diego, like I love San Diego. I love San Diego. I also love Temecula because my pops works out there and there's wineries. Oh, like, we're going there. We already talked about this wine trip. Yeah, like and underrated that. cities are like... Um, See, Napa's not an underrated city. Everybody knows about Napa Valley. But like Sedona and Arizona. Is Napa a city? Is that like a county? Ah, fuck it. But it's like know. in our region. I got you. I got you. Yeah, like Napa, you know, like I, I just bought my ticket. I'm going to a Niners game in October. And I'm taking a bunch of days off. And I'm going to Napa. And I'm going to be in Napa for like four days. And 
I love that place. Napa and Sedona because I drink a lot of wine and champagne. So why not? But um, that Sonoma. Sedona is in Arizona. Sedona is actually kind of dope. If you've never been to Sedona and you need some place that's like secluded, don't go in the summer. It's too fucking hot. But they have like dope little wineries. They got cool little food spots. Sedona's dope. Um, what else is dope? Cincinnati's whack. Cleveland's whack. Um, <laughs> Utah's H- whack. Um, oh, Park- no. Okay. And my Indianapolis is pretty whack, too. Indianapolis is whack. Chicago's dope, but everybody knows about Chicago. Um, again, depends on what you're going for. I go for a White Sox game. I love it. Um, I can't say I've been to Chicago. We flew in. I caught the Uber, went straight to Wrestling with Stereotypes and what was it? And uh, Starcast. Oh, yeah. And AEW, which was 45 minutes outside of Chicago. We did that and then drove right back through the city to the airport and bounced. Yeah, I've only been on layovers or for that trip. I've never been in Chicago. Yeah, it's not really experienced. What else is like an underrated city? Seattle's all right. Portland's all right. Vancouver. Um, Vancouver's kind of dope. Uh, Montreal, but yeah, everybody knows about Montreal. So underrated. There's not a whole lot of underrated cities. I don't think it's, people know about Montreal. <laughs> that would top the list. But I mean, I, I, I've never been to Canada. But I mean, I feel like a lot of people talk about Toronto and Vancouver. I don't yeah, see many I mean, people Montreal- going to Montreal. Montreal's dope. It's, it's, you know, it's a hybrid, a lot of French speakers. So, you know, you have to kind of figure out who to talk to because when you don't know French, you're just kind of like, what? And you don't know what you're doing. Um, but other than that, I, I can't think of any like underrated cities. I'm trying to find like a hole in the wall ass city. I've been to Albany to cover a festival. Boy, that was whack. Holy shit. <laughs> Anything upstate, Buffalo. Sorry, Griselda people and all that shit. Buffalo is whack. Dog, I went to I went to Albany to do a documentary with Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. And we there was a festival out there, and I can't remember who was all before him. All I remember is Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, but it was like a billion white people. It was it was called Fort Something. It's like a billion white people, and I, no joke, like they were all over the place. And they slept outside. It was like a three-day festival. It was like Woodstock. It was nuts. Without showers. And, I don't know. I don't know if people left because it, it was like literally, you know, like Coachella is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. That's how this festival was. But it's fucking upstate New York. It's Albany. There was yeah. nothing to do. Like I was miserable out there, except for like the festival was cool. You know, we hung out with Ryan Lewis and Macklemore all day and shot some stuff. But man, that city sucks. If you're from Albany and listen to this podcast, I'm sorry. Why would Head you out. Run, <laughs> run right now. No, yeah. I mean, Utah's all right. I mean, I went to school in Utah, so Cedar was cool. Um, Salt Lake's all right if you go for like a day. If not, it'll bore you to death. Um, Portland would be my underrated one, but I'm not even sure if it's underrated anymore. So many people go to Portland, but Portland would be my choice of underrated cities. Like Portland's dope. Um, I haven't been to Seattle. I, I feel like it's too gloomy and it rains all the time. It rains all the time in Portland. It's not my bounce. Portland was cool. The Portland had like some dope shit. And the food scene is incredible in Portland. Mm-hmm. So like the gastro pubs, that's Portland's Portland's the wave. Uh, I guess we'll be going to wine country soon. My wife tried wine at your crib at this late, latest game night. The wines at the back of the bar that you guys had from wine country. She was like, oh, there is a difference in, in the wine. Try to fucking tell you guys, man. <laughs> you guys over here drinking box wine, disrespecting your taste buds. Like, drink a real wine. It'll change your life. 
Yeah, so I think you you changed my bank account. I think is what you've done. So we're we're out of the five dollar wine department. Please stop. And then now uh, we got to bump up our our wine selection. Now that my wife knows the difference, I blame you and, and your crib and your wife who had endless me. bottles of wine wine just coming out that night. It yeah, was like, oh, was. that one's done. <laughs> just pulling them from out of nowhere. Just yeah. eight hands of wine. I got like my pops since I haven't been back to Temecula since COVID started. Funny thing, I haven't traveled. What are we in now? What is this, June? June. I, yeah, so since last February. This is the longest I've ever gone without traveling since. Hmm. I want to go all the way back to like 2005. Wow. Yeah. I'm always on a plane or going somewhere. This is the, the longest. So, yeah. But anyway, I'm in a wine club. Me and my wife are in a wine club in Temecula, and they just been stocking all our wine because I haven't been able to pick it up. And I sent my pops to go get it. And he's like, you have like a room full of just like wine and bottles. There's got to be like 40 <laughs> bottles that I have to go pick up, which is absurd. Listen, that's dope. Uh, we'll be over there trying all of this wine, and I'll check out your fancy new floors that you had. Uh, talking about that, though, there one thing I have noticed is there's a definite difference traveling with your wife and then traveling alone. Oh, yeah. And traveling alone, like you said, if there ain't shit to do or if, like, I don't know someone that I haven't seen in forever, like, I'm perfectly fine just being in a hotel room, playing video games, chilling, watching movies, never going anywhere except the event. But traveling while married is so much better. So what places, what's, like, the dopest spot you and your wife have hit up? Outside of wine country. I mean, that it was Houston All-Star Game. She got to, I hired her and paid her to go with me, just to keep my books and get all my releases signed. But that was All-Star Weekend. She's very organized. Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm a wreck. I can't do any of this shit. (laughs) But yeah, like that that was Houston. But I mean, traveling, there's two different things. Like, again, if you're traveling just to be traveling, are you traveling for work and then bringing your wife along? Yeah, not vacation. We ain't like... Like, like going to like Mexico, like me and the wife go to Mexico, we go, to, no, like where you're just traveling with your wife, not a, not a planned itinerary vacation. Like uh, me and my wife's third date was to the NBA finals in San Fran when I was covering the finals. She came with, she chilled in the hotel room. Like you just said, I covered the finals. We came back, we were eating um, like a late dinner after one of the finals games. It was like 10, 10, 30. The screen was on. Someone's like, yo, I just saw you on the TV. And it was me asking LeBron a question on ESPN. Like, random dope shit like that, like what happened. And then we went to the finals the next two years as well. Um, The entire time Cleveland was playing Golden State, I covered the finals. So, like, San Fran was our yearly trip. It wasn't a vacation. I was always going for work. But we always went together after that. So San Fran is like one of those cities where we're like, yo, dope, cool. Uh, reverse Rat Pack member Danny Acosta with the with the food suggestions. Never, never failed us in San Fran. It's king of the bay right there. So that was dope. And uh, we stayed in Oakland every time and just took the BART. So like random trips like that is like when you randomly have to travel, even like seeing family, but not like a planned vacation. Hmm. I mean... Sundance, uh, before my wife got pregnant. Where it's is Sundance? Park City, Utah. It's in the mountains. Park City, uh, Utah. Okay. It's cold as fuck. 
<laughs> like it's it's ridiculously disrespectfully cold, but it's Sundance. And I took my wife and the, and the cool thing was because, yeah, I get my press pass and I get to see however many movies I want. But, you know, she could buy her tickets to see movies with me. Right. So we went like we met like she went with me a few interviews. I like, met John Boyega, met Rotimi. This is like the first Sundance we went to. We went to a, a private run the jewels party that was fucking nuts. Uh, it's like when Sundance hits Park City. That entire city changes because it's nothing but, you know, filmmakers and musicians and all kinds of wild shit. Like, like he Stansfield, like he wanted me to come to his. He was he's a rapper. And he was like, I want to you know, <laughs> you come to my rap show. And I was like, I don't know about this. I'm going to run the jewels. Um, he might be dope, though. Mm, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> but like that, that's a dope place to go. But again, it's, it's surrounding an event. Right. So Sundance was dope. My wife's never been to Comic-Con. Like, for the most part, my wife will travel with me if I can get her into some shit. Otherwise, she'll just stay home. Because at a certain point, see, you're you're still new to this. When at a certain point, your wife's going to be like, I'm tired of sitting in a fucking hotel room. Unless she's adventurous, right? My wife is not. My wife will not leave the hotel room. She's paranoid of everything. She will stay in that hotel room. <laughs> If I go with her, like I went to her to a conference in Chicago, I'll just leave and I'll just come back because I do shit by myself. But her and now we got a kid. So it's completely different now. But yeah, like traveling for work, like she used to go with me to UFC fights. That's Montreal was a UFC fight. I used to get her tickets. But then after like the fifth fight, she was like, eh, I don't want to do this shit anymore. She was like, I'm cool. <laughs> got it out to her. Yeah, she was like, I've done this. Like, she's rap. Oh, uh, music festivals. Oh, can't take my wife to any of those. She hates them. And that becomes a point (laughs) where you go, why do I take you anywhere? Because it just will make you miserable. Right. Because now you have to you have to pay attention to your significant other and their needs. I'm hungry or my feet hurt and you got work to do. Can't do it. Took it like I took it to rock the bells and I think paid dues. And after that, she was like, (laughs) rock the bells is is a trek though it dog it is and like the one year that i took her we had a booth the wellverse had a booth and we were doing media shit so i was running crazy i was like a dead man out there because it was hot as fuck too and she was like and you know they're like nine hour days yep. and she don't know but like half of these rappers so she's like who the fuck is this i want to go home right she's looking for food like not fun not fun for her at all so again, it just depends on what you do. If I if there's some downtime, then cool, she'll go. If there's not, if I'm ripping and running, she won't go. She has nah. zero interest. <laughs> She's been around long enough to know. Nah, it's not for me. Yeah, she hates that. Like I just stopped inviting her. Like when I had the chance to invite her, I was just like, "Man, eh, you don't want to go." I'll tell her, and she was like, "You know, I don't want to go. To that shit." I'm like, cool. <laughs> I can see that. Like, nah, I'm not. Hell no. Go outside and be freezing cold or burning hot. For 10 hours a day? Nah. Yeah, she ain't doing that shit. Nah, not for me. Well, now you're old and you don't do that shit either. No. Like music festivals, this day and night festival I'll be at. Because it oh, seems like yeah. everybody's on that. I will be But even there. then. Where the, when even that credential then? app open up. I don't know. I'm on it. You you they, find that credential app. You send it to me. Yeah. That, I mean, I'll find a credential app. But it's like everybody's performing. And I'm looking at the list and I'm like, oh, it's like everybody I know is on this shit. So I'm going. But then again, I'm going and I'm going to be I'm not going to be in the crowd. I'll be somewhere else. I can't do that shit. I, I can't like I've call me bougie. Call me whatever you want. 
large crowds of people can't do it. Can't do it. People jumping on top of me can't do it. I try, can't do you it. You are bougie. At, at best, we watched J. Cole from like the back of the crowd last year. Yeah, I can't. Or what two years doing? ago. What, what am I doing? What do I need to see him for? I know it sounds weird, right? But it seriously, sounds very man. weird. Like, I don't even know how to answer that. Because like, look, that's the point of the, the concert or the performance. I guess what I'm saying is like, I've done, God, this sounds like a flex. I've done so many of these shows where I've, you know, either done a documentary or filmed the artist or interviewed the artist where I've been backstage or on the stage or on the side of the stage. So I've seen them, J. Cole, can all these, I've seen them a million times. So when they do a festival and I'm with like friends and they're like, yeah, let's go in the middle. And I'm like, no, I've seen this already. I know what the songs he's going to perform and I'll see his ass on the screen. It doesn't matter to me because I already know what you look like. Some people I want to see live and up close, but I like to sit down. All that standing up shit and jumping like on people. Yeah, I like to sit down. I really do. Like, I, man, fuck all that. I don't like feet. any of that. There's no, for me, why am I standing up? Why am I standing up for so long? Just the fun in that. I mean, you get the energy, the atmosphere. I get that shit sitting down. Some, some people would say that dancing is a... Yeah, uh, a big part of this, you don't you don't I mean, dance anymore. Not at a festival, no. <laughs> what? Why? I don't, I, don't I, I don't have a good answer for you. I'm just saying that usually this is what people partake in. I'm just saying, like for you, I'll use this as a good example. You've covered a ton of fights, right? Yep. Now, at, this, at a certain point of covering fights, sitting ringside, you know that there's the better seat in the house that's like slightly raised, especially for UFC fights. Like the ringside seats aren't the best seats. No. But and no. people always want ringside seats. But you know where the good seats are because they're right behind you and they're a few levels up because that's where all the UFC fighters usually are, unless they're ringside because they're going to be on camera. Yep. Otherwise, an elevated view is the best view. So yeah. at a certain point, the grandeur of, oh, I'm in the front row or all oh, that shit is like, no, fuck that. I want to be comfortable. And you've seen enough of these. They're not special anymore. The, that's like, fair. They, I mean, so when I go to a I'm, festival, I'm bougie bougie now. Like if I go to a boxing match and I'm like impressed row, I cringe a bit. I'm just like, fuck, I'm just impressed row. Like I'm so used to being on the apron. It's like, I, I should be closer. So yeah, now I'm super bougie now. So you're, that's true. Yeah. So it's like, and even then, like, see, you enjoy all that ripping and running and like, oh, I do. I still got, I still got fresh feet. I don't like I, all that shit. I haven't done a million festivals yet. I don't, I don't like any of that. Like all that dog. No. No, like when I at the zone, like running around the different locker rooms, I'm like, no, I don't, don't want to do this shit. Like press row, as long as it ain't too crowded, it's cool with me. But yeah, like I, I'm jaded, man. I've done this shit way too long. I've done enough of it. I, I just don't care. Listen, don't I'm like, care. I'm like a running back that split time in college. I got plenty of tread left on the tires. I, my, my, my feet haven't been running around for a decade. I'm just getting started. So yeah, I'm. Just, still doing the running around and I, I will watch any festival that they will allow me to come to. <laughs> so I am still there regardless. Now, listen, I'm not going to a club if I don't got a seat, but that's a whole different thing. That's a club. Like I go in the club if I don't got a booth, a table, if I ain't in the DJ booth, like, nah, that's, that's out of here. But a festival I'll stand all day at a festival. Cause you haven't been doing enough of them. Do enough uh, music festivals to see how you feel because that's like I said, like fuck this, this is not fun. <laughs> no, I feel you. Um, man, we started and we talked about the traveling and 
our crazy traveling and media, but we didn't talk about Wilder Fury where I actually went in LA in the press conference. So let's hit our first break, come back. We'll talk Wilder Fury, the actual press conference, get into all our boxing stuff in this next segment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, the NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, just that quick, we are back. It's time to talk actual boxing. It's time to talk about why I went to LA before I was got into the mix of why it's overrated. I went because Wilder Fury 3, as we talked about before, is coming up July 24th. They did the one and only press conference outside of Fight Week to promote this fight. And <laughs> the press conference itself was different because we're so used to the prior two fights where Fury Wilder, they're going back and forth. They're having jokes. They're in each other's face. It's colorful. It's wild. This time, Deontay Wilder comes out in a pair of headphones, throw beats headphones, chilling, bobbing his head, gets up when they ask him to say his little speech, 40 seconds, says there will be bloodshed, sits down, doesn't talk again. Malik Scott, his new head trainer, takes all the questions and everything. It reminded me of Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. It's like this motherfucker, Deontay Wilder, has been watching pro wrestling. Like he went out there and got an advocate. Only thing he's missing is, is Jimmy Uso to fight Tyson Fury the week before, soften him up a bit. But I was like, man, that's crazy. He said nothing during the entire press conference. Uh, Fury was Fury, came out with a custom suit which had photos of his win over Wilder this past time on the suit. He was, you know, joking, laughing, talking his talk, but there was no back and forth because Wilder was not here for the shenanigans. And I ask you, is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Um, you're, you're supposed to sell the fight. That's your job. Especially after you've made up, after you said so much, after losing with all those fucking excuses, you better start talking. <laughs> like if you if you mean business, like I get what he's trying to. I mean business, right? I'm not answering any questions because all I want to do is win this fight. But you had so many fucking excuses. The suit's too heavy. He had loaded gloves or whatever it was. My, you know, Mark Breland ruined me. Threw in the towel. <laughs> he spiked. He spiked my secret sauce. Yeah, like dog, you had all. You had so much to say after you lost. And you didn't just lose. You got dragged in that fight. And what for most people was a 50-50 fight. Both of us picked Wilder. And he went out there and got demolished. And he made all these excuses. His first loss in his boxing career. You have one press conference for a fight that you barely got because the arbitrator saw it in your favor. And here you are saying nothing. I think it's, I think it's bad because... Even though he may think he means business, is sending out the wrong sign that Fury changed you. Mm. He ruined you. 
because now the boisterous Deontay Wilder has been silenced. Now he could come out and win this fight and we'd be like, oh, well, because he still has a destructive right hand. But you're not selling the fight. You didn't do anything that made people interested to see the third fight. No, you're not you anymore. No, like, who are you? And it, it feels like, like I said, if you didn't make all those excuses, maybe I'd be like, all right, I get what you're doing. But you said so much after getting your ass whooped. And it's okay. People lose fights. But you had every excuse in the book and then some. Say something. Don't do that weird-ass stare down. Say something. Five minutes. Five minutes and 47 seconds. Yo, that was so stupid. And, I, you know, poor Evan Korn. Because <laughs> at the beginning, he started to step in and then he backed off. But at a certain point, it's not even a stare down anymore. It's a staring contest. Yeah, he made a business decision. Yeah. He almost ended up like Dave Schaller. If he would have stepped in, it would have been a Dave Schaller moment when Schaller stepped in between John Jones and D.C. and ended up on a poster. Yeah. It would have been all bad for Evan. I caught him right after that at the Starbucks. I was like, yo, I, I saw you about to jump in. He's like, yeah, nah. He's like, I'm glad Christina said something on the mic before I got over there. I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't know who sent you. I was like, oh, you got caught up in, in the hype. Forgot that you were only five foot ten. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be in between those two giants. But I don't know. The press conference, like they asked me if I wanted to cover it, not go, just use my day off. They was like, hey, you want to watch? I was like, no. I'm glad I didn't. There's so many things I haven't covered recently that I was like, I, I'm good. You went because obviously it's your job. But what was there to get out of that? I I went honestly because I had one-on-one time with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. See, that so makes sense. I got my one-on-one interview with Deontay Wilder at 9 a.m. Way before the press conference that started at 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. So I talked to Deontay Wilder. I got my one-on-one interview. I interviewed Tyson Fury one-on-one after the press conference in like my own little studio room and all that stuff. I didn't have to battle scrums. I didn't have to uh, count on what they said um, on stage. No, I got my own time with both of them to use how I see fit. So there in that aspect, I felt like you, where you don't like asking questions in press conferences. You're like, yo, am I going to talk to him or am I not going to talk to him? So that was my biggest thing. They're like, yo, you get one-on-one time. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm there. Outside of that, I would have been at the crib. Missed nothing. It no, was... nothing at all. Um, I chill with Fury's camp for a little while. His brother's wild. He almost got in a fight on stage. He was still popping shit like 45 minutes afterwards. Um, so that was cool. But outside of that, I, I didn't miss anything. Deontay Wilder didn't add anything on stage to the casual fan. And it's like these people were expecting Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, even boxing hardcore fans. And now they get this. Make them believe you're going to win. Because at the end of the day, you're selling pay-per-views. This ain't on Showtime. Exactly. This is, I I didn't understand. Like, again, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, how many people are really, that's the question. Does he believe? There's doubt. There is 100%, no matter what Deontay Wilder says to you or anybody else, there is absolute doubt that he's not going to win this fight because he got mauled. 
even if he talks all all the excuses he made, like he knows. He still took the whooping for whatever reason. Yeah. When you get paws put on you, you're just it it really does. It sticks in your head. Cause it's not like you lost a decision. You were like, oh, I was really close, blah, blah, blah. No, you got stopped. It changes you. I mean, look, man, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz. Yep. I was around them both. Totally different vibes in New York versus Saudi Arabia. And Anthony Joshua fought like a man who knows what it's like to lose. He had doubt. Now, the thing about Anthony Joshua in the Ruiz fight is he had enough skill to do what he had to do to win that fight. Yep. Can Deontay Wilder fight scared? I don't think he has more than one, one tool in the, in the bag. That's the, that's the problem. Now Malik Scott says, oh, he's doing everything I want him to do in training camp, and he's learning how to go to the body and put combinations together. Um, I haven't seen them work any defense. He's teaching them new offensive skills. I haven't seen one defensive training video that they've put out at all, which is still problematic. You got to teach him how to get his head off of the line. You got to teach him how to maneuver the ring when he has to be defensive, fight off his back foot, can you teach all of that in four months? Because while he was making those excuses, while he was talking, Malik Scott wasn't his trainer. Malik Scott just became his trainer. Yeah. And I, I don't know shit about Malik Scott outside of his fighting career and him I mean, being a part-time nudist. So <laughs> I, I don't know what qualifies him to be a trainer, let alone his first major training fight being to this magnitude. So maybe Deontay looked at Tyson Fury going to Sugar Hill. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Teaching an old dog new tricks, right? Deontay's not a young, he's not a spring chicken. And it's not like Ryan Garcia going with Chepo. It's not, it's none of that. It's like you are trying to do a scenery change to inspire you because Nothing that you're going to do in your career now is going to make that much of a difference with a trainer who's inexperienced. Now, it'd be different maybe if you went to like a Freddie Roach or a Joel Diaz. Like, yep. maybe they could connect with you and show you a few things. And Davidson. Yeah, like there, there are there are fighters, there are trainers who specialize in certain things with fighters. But certain fighters, they are what they are, no matter what trainer they go to. Because as soon as they deploy what they think is going to work from the new trainer and they get hit in the mouth, they go back to muscle memory and they do yep. exactly what they did before. Some guys can figure it out and stick with it. But that's why I say like fighters like Andre War, Floyd Mayweather, the ability to adjust without somebody telling you is what separates good from great. And not all fighters can do it. And when you're Deontay Wilder and you've relied on one weapon your entire career, yeah, you got a nice little jab. But when you face adversity against somebody, a giant like Tyson Fury, and that one weapon doesn't hit, because we've seen it, Luis Ortiz. We've seen him be down in fights and have to land that big shot. But what if you can't? Yep. This, this past fight, he didn't even get a chance to see. Nah, he got his ass whooped. Yeah, so it, it comes out now. It's like, okay, you got to last a few rounds and then still try to land that punch. Like you still, it, it's a lot to think about now before all you had to think about was no one's really firing back at me. No one brought the fight to Wilder. No, everyone's just trying to avoid getting hit with this nuclear bomb. 
Yeah. It's a great bomb. Yeah. And I got to pick my spots. And that's all I got to worry about all fight is how to land this one bomb. And I'm fine. Okay. But now what happens when you have to worry about the defense? Because they're punching you in the face. You have to figure out how to not take damage. You have to figure out how to fight in close quarters. Because that bomb is great. But that bomb comes from a long way away. How do you fight now when someone's in your chest? Or how about, I mean, let's just be totally honest. When Deontay saw Tyson Fury got get up, it changed him. He can say whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, because he the saw man got to take his best shot. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like when a fighter, when an opponent takes your best shot, everybody's had this dream, right? I've had it a million times. You get in a fight and you're just hitting somebody and it doesn't do anything to him, and how demoralizing that shit is. Imagine being in a real fight. I've had that happen in real life. I've, I've fought someone who could take an asshole, and you're like unfazed, and you're like, "What am I doing?" Like, I thought I had the atomic bomb. Turns out you got a pea shooter. Like, it changed Deontay. It had it made him think differently. And now he's going to go into this third fight. I don't know what he's going to do different. So it's like the well, dad off of Invincible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just don't know what Deontay is going to do any different. He's got another month. It's not that far away. This fight is around the corner. Yep. So. And he looked small. Well, he's always been relatively small. Yeah, he has. He looked, if I can pick, he looked 190 soaking wet. He is Kevin Durant skinny right now. Well, that ain't going to help him. When he sat down, because, again, we've covered a lot of his fights. Um, He sat down, I was like, damn, he's small. Like, he is thin right now. And my first question to him was, do you feel like you have to change your physique or how you train or anything heading into this fight? Because the size made such a difference last time. And of course he said, no, he changed nothing. And I was thinking, yeah, it's probably not the way to go. And on the other end, Tyson Fury is like, I'm coming in at 300 pounds. (laughs) See, if Tyson Fury loses, this is my opinion. A lot of people can disagree. It's more about Tyson Fury than it is Deontay Wilder. If Tyson Fury's on his game, I don't know who's beating him. But if for some reason he comes in a little bit overconfident, yeah, he'll be in trouble. So I, I think the guy's so much about boxing that someone's going to have to beat him. He's not going to beat himself. Um, that first fight where he got hit, he was off the street. You know, after the addiction, after everything. And that was 40% of what Tyson Fury could be. The, the physique, the conditioning, everything he had to beat Klitschko when Klitschko was unbeatable was like 60% of Tyson Fury. Wilder saw like the 100% version. If this is Dragon Ball Z, like he, he saw the final form. Yeah. And he mowed through Wilder. Now I don't, I don't think he's on that level um, currently just being honest, like seeing Fury this week and everything. I think he's like 90% Fury right now, 85. But at 40, he pushed a draw. And that's the scariest thing for Wilder. This guy came off the street, boom, pushed me to a draw. And I needed two knockdowns to get that draw. It wasn't a 6-6 fight. It was 8-4. My knockdowns helped. And then, okay, the next time I saw him, just mowed through me. So he's just going to keep getting more fit, more disciplined. Like, that's crazy. 
he's he's gonna have to beat Tyson Fury. He's gonna have to find a way to strategically land that punch. Fury's not gonna beat himself. And that's the scariest fights to have, where you got to beat someone and they're not going to make a mistake to give you the opportunity. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm picking Tyson Fury to win this, but uh, you know, the equalizer is the equalizer. He could. I think it goes the distance this time, though. Mm. I'll take Fury, but I think it goes the distance. I think he just finds a way to not get hit by the bomb, and then do enough to like, you know, clearly outclass Deontay Wilder. Oof, that's that's demoralizing. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think he's going to lean and bully him this time. I don't know what was wrong. I don't believe any of the spiked by water, blah, blah, blah. But from the get-go, Deontay Wilder didn't look like Deontay Wilder in that fight. No. Nah. And, you know, fighters have off nights. It, it does happen. Fighters yeah. just ain't themselves. That wasn't 100% Deontay Wilder that stepped into the ring that night. So I expect a better performance from Wilder. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think... Um... <sighs> It's just, God, I just don't know what he can do different. I just didn't like, I didn't like the press conference. I watched and I was like, I don't like this. Yeah, it didn't give me any confidence for him. Um, the other thing that came out right before the press conference, like five minutes before presser started, Teofimo Lopez scheduled to defend his titles this weekend on Triller uh, from Miami against George Cambosis. That has been postponed the entire card until August 14th because Teofimo Lopez tested positive for the Rona um, with symptoms. So, like, he's made it very public. He battles with asthma. So it's a scary thing for him. Hopefully, he's able to come out of the other side without long-lasting effects. We've seen how this has affected people in the UFC after they've had a guard brand. Um, Kamaya still isn't back. So hopefully his symptoms aren't severe and he can be 100% by the time August rolls around. But it's going to take something out of him for that yeah. fight. So now it's a real scary proposition. Not that Cambosis is on his level at all, but it may not be 100% of Teofimo Lopez that we're going to see. Yeah, I don't, you know, COVID ain't gone, people. The shit is still around. For those of you out running around maskless and not vaccinated and none of that shit, it's still here. And TFMO got it. It sucks because this is like the new reality. Like as we begin to start traveling and doing more, we'll go someplace and then they cancel a fight. And now you're just there because <laughs> now what do you do? <laughs> Stuck. Listen, you join Miami. You rent a Lambo. No, no, don't start. <laughs> um, But yeah, it sucks. It's interesting that they already rebooked the date and they're not sure how long these effects could be lingering with TFMO. They booked the 14th. Yeah, it, it's better than Dana White booking people for like two weeks after. I mean, that's true also. But I mean, they're still going to do it in Miami. Like they scrapped the entire car. They pushed everybody's back, which is crazy. But then I think about it. Who does Triller really have in terms of fighters? So it's not like they'd be like, yo, we can let this go on. And then who's going to fill an undercard in August? I mean, no, that's true. I'm just saying that, like, you had, like, Charles Conwell. You had Francis Desern Cruz. You had Michael Hunter, Vitor Belfort, of course. Everybody's on the on the bench now. Was Vitor going to fight? Yes, he's fighting the real Tarzan. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it was on this card. Yes, it was this card. Oh, so, God. Yeah, th this card was set. And now, you know, I get it because your main event's gone. But, man, just nuked an entire card. Um... And, you, and here's the other thing. 
Now you have Wilder Fury, July 24th. You have Spence uh, Pacquiao, Pacquiao on the 21st. And now you have this pay-per-view in between that. They should have just kept it Floyd weekend and said, yo, we're going to go the day before Floyd and try to get some pay-per-view buys. I mean, that's still rough because who's going to buy both? Yeah, I mean, I don't now I don't know who's buying this at all. Um, Teofimo came out that he resigned with top rank, or didn't resign, but they adjusted his deal. So now he has a higher floor. They're going to put him on ESPN Plus pay per view. He gets a lot of things that he wanted. Thankfully, because I'm not sure this this event was going to give him the leverage that it looked like it was going to give him when it was first announced. It wasn't the le- he got the leverage. He got paid a lot. He's oh, getting yeah. paid a lot for this fight. So he's fine. Like if this this trailer pay-per-view card does like 180,000 buys. So what? Now he's put himself in position where he got more money from top rank. He's only fighting Cambosis. It's not like he's going out there fighting Josh Taylor. Yep. He's good. He's good. Yeah, it might not do. It probably won't sell. This is this is going to be a tough sell cuz you know, to tell people, especially boxing fans, and I'm sure there's like a UFC card around there somewhere as well. So it's like yeah, Wilder the Fury Olympics three. just finished. Yeah, nobody cares about the Olympics. Um, unless you're watching the women's gymnastics. Uh, unless you're, you know, if you're buying Wilder Fury 3, if you're buying uh, Spence Pacquiao, and then there's SummerSlam, which you don't have to pay for. But nobody has, like, infinite amount of income. So why would I want to buy, spend $50 on a Tiafima Lopez fight? I don't know. It's gonna I just saw him fight Lomachenko for free. Yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough sell, especially, you know, when you don't I kind of like the undercard on that one, but it's still not what people go to Triller for. No, man. You had concerts, but the concert lineup wasn't really hitting. Dog, here's another thing. They paid Jim Lampley what I'm sure is a ton of money. The return of Jim Lampley was for this card. Yeah. Now, he- Triller's looking shaky in the light. Yeah, man. It's looking real rough. funny right now. Triller's not sitting in the best of positions. Um, versus really got to take off again <laughs> for Triller to, to really uh, be where they want to be right now. Um, also, this past weekend, we had Shakur Stevenson. He went out there uh, versus Nakatila, went, swept the cards, 12-0. And people complained that it was a boring fight. It was a boring fight. Oh, they were excited. I enjoyed the fight. He knocked the guy down three times, got credit with one. Yeah, but... Look, Knockdowns are cool. Like, you don't starch, starch everybody. He was knocking the guy down. Okay, so here's the problem with Shakur Stevenson. It's not his fault. He's being compared to Floyd Mayweather. They shouldn't do that. That's a really bad idea. I am they. I put out that graphic. Why? Um... Mark Kriegel actually did a really good piece about how good Shakur's defense is Mm. and that Floyd Mayweather, for the better part of this century, has been decreed the best defensive fighter. So it highlights how well Shakur is doing defensively and on pace with the best defensive fighter because that was before, granted, Floyd was super defensive in style. Pretty Boy was more attacking, and the numbers showed that. But it also shows that if Shakur continues to improve his defense at the pace where it is going, he would be even better defensively 
than Floyd Mayweather. He'd be on a level of like a Pernell Whitaker um, going forward defensively. So that's what it highlights. So here's why this is completely flawed. I like Kriegel. I like you too. This is bullshit. Here's why. <laughs> that's fair. Who's the biggest name on Shakur Stevenson's resume? Wow. Um, I'm not sure if there's a big name yet. How many fights does Shakur have? 15. I only compared them to Floyd through 15. Pulled their stats through 15. 15 fights. Yep. And the biggest name that Shakur has fought? I mean, Floyd wasn't fighting world beaters at this point yet either. Floyd hadn't even fought for his first title yet. No, 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 which is true, but Floyd was also annihilating his competition. He was. His knockout rate was something serious. Like, he was annihilating his competition. And then we start talking about the defensive uh, prowess of Floyd Mayweather. You look at when he, you know, he got rid of Angel Man Freddie super quick. Like, when he beat Gennaro Hernandez in his 18th fight for the WBC title, Gennaro was a good fighter. Yeah. Right? So, Shakur hasn't fought anybody that's going to test him defensively. So making that comparison now is flawed. Fuck me. Pitufo, Pitufo Diaz is probably his best. Yeah. How many people know who that is? Gosh, shit, I don't know. He just challenged for a title not too long ago. So when, so, so when you make a Floyd Mayweather comparison, you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage because Floyd is 50-0 <laughs> and the best plus-minus fighter that's ever lived. The best. And he's fought Say what you want, but he's fought Hall of Famers. Shakur hasn't done that yet. But if you compare him now, Shakur's not knocking people out. Floyd is. So when you compare that record to the same and you're putting Shakur in there with a guy that nobody knows and Shakur doesn't take any chances in the fight, you're going to open yourself to criticism immediately. And it's not Shakur's fault. It's y'all fault. (laughs) Y'all did this shit to him. Because now you have... Andre Ward and Tim Bradley saying like he didn't take any chances. Lou DeBell was on, on Twitter saying these Floyd comparisons, he's not taking any chances. You can't be like Floyd early in your career unless you're whipping ass. And he's not doing that. Not that it's a bad thing. That's not Shakur's style. Shakur don't hit hard. He's, he's a boxer. He's yeah. a pure boxer. Floyd was dusting people up early in his career. What he did to Diego Corrales in his 25th fight, will be the fight that for most people they go, yeah. Because Diego was, at that time, the most offensive-minded fighter that Floyd had fought. And Diego was knocking everybody out, undefeated. That was the only fight in my life that I picked against Floyd Mayweather. I thought Diego was going to beat him. And he beat the shit out of Diego Corrales. Shakur doesn't have that. Shakur hasn't fought anybody that we didn't think he'd win. He beat. Nobody. So when you make these comparisons... People are expecting big things and you put them on free TV and they're like, oh, you should dust them up. It's just like when Devin Haney fought, I can't remember his name, on that damn Logan Paul card and didn't get the knockout. Didn't get anything. Yeah, and now everybody's critical of him because you expected big things. They showed the knockout from before. You can't do that because now Shakur, he's got a chip on his shoulder because now people are criticizing him because he didn't get a knockout. But y'all, y'all made that narrative. Y'all created that narrative because as soon as you threw that graphic up and you see these knockouts, you go, well, shit, Floyd, Pretty Boy is beating the shit out of people. What's Shakur doing? Not the same thing. I mean, to be fair, Shakur was beating the hell out of this guy. <laughs> the, he didn't stop him. No, just knocked my, him down. Well, my man doesn't have a Wikipedia page, dog. 
Like Shakur? Sh- or the, no. the oh the opponent. Shakur's last four opponents don't have a Wikipedia page. Uh, yeah, that's tough. I mean, one of those were a title fight. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's Joet Gonzalez. Like, why would he have a Wikipedia page? The whole narrative was like, I'm dating your sister. Yeah, like which he's no that, longer dating his sister. They broke up right. like a fight after. Big shocker. Yeah, but a brief narrative. You look at like what Shakur could potentially be, and you say like he could be one of the greatest defensive fighters. It's like they didn't even compare him to like an Andre. Like I get it, they're doing the weight classes, but yeah, it matched up a little easier in, in the weight classes. I, and again, Floyd's trajectory at the time, like their age is very similar through fifteen fights. Yeah, but Floyd um, was a- competition. Competition level was very similar through fifteen fights. Like Floyd was starching these guys and had more power. But defensively, Shakur is a lot harder to hit. It's hit 50% less than Floyd was getting hit. And I mean, that's the comparison. That's, so You can't do that, though. It's, what I'm saying is you can't do that because nobody through 15 fights in Floyd's career thought he was going to be the best defensive fighter of all time. Nobody. They nobody thought he was, had the chance of being one of the best fighters of all time. Fighters. No one knew what, what he would be. Yeah, but fighter, that's completely yeah. different. When you say fighter, but nobody was like, he's going to be the next Pernell Whitaker. Because as no. soon as you do that, you put these expectations on Floyd. And if he doesn't live up to him defensively, what are you going to do? He was just expected to be the great fighter. Because let's be honest, Floyd in that Olympics should have won the gold medal. He, oh, got yeah, robbed. he got robbed. Shakur didn't get robbed. No, he lost. He lost. The expectations were much higher for Floyd, and he exceeded them. Shakur... We're putting expectations on him by making comparisons to all-time greats of Hall of Famers after 15 fights. Does a young fighter no favors? It's like when we see, like, it's like Devin Booker, what he just did with the Phoenix Suns, be like, he's the next Kobe. You can't do that. You can't. It's too soon. It's too soon. He hasn't faced that level of competition yet. Shakur just, he hasn't. People, that's, I understand where you're coming from, but people put up the Luka LeBron through age 21 graphics all the time. Yeah, and it's funny because they put up those graphics, but what did LeBron do? He took a garbage-ass team to a championship. Yeah. He and they compare annihil- to him all the time. And it's, it, they shouldn't do it because Luka ain't LeBron. What LeBron is, was doing, like what he did to the bad boy Pistons, like the new age bad boy Pistons, when he annihilated them in the third and fourth quarter in overtime, Luka ain't doing that shit. Luka's a great player. But come on, man. LeBron took a bum-ass Cavs team to the championship. Bum-ass Cavs team. Eric Snow's your next best player? Yeah, that was that was bad. It, it's hard when you start and making these comparisons. Yeah, it's like you make these comparisons. You're doing the athlete no favors. The difference is in team basketball, there's other people involved. In boxing, it's just you. It's just Shakur. And I think Shakur could be a great fighter. But I think when you put those expectations on them and that's what gets people to tune in, I get it. It's like a marketing device. It's like, hey, compare this person to this person. This is why you should watch them. But then when you watch them and they don't do certain things, if Shakur is young, they don't know how to deal with that criticism yet. They get mad. Yeah, he seems to be taking this to heart. Yeah, like you get, they get mad. It's like, don't get mad. Just, just deal with it. Like Devin Haney doesn't necessarily get mad. Don't get mad. Get better. Yeah, just, and not even get better. Fight your fight. Because the last thing you want to do is have the media and fans Ooh, tell, tell you how to fight. someone else. Yeah. yeah, you can't do it. Fight your fight. But when I when I was watching the fight, like knowing Shakur's skill after all the fights that I watched him in, he it was a boring fight. That was it. Doesn't mean it was a bad fight for him. 
Like, it was just like the Devin Haney Gamboa fight. It wasn't exciting. Let's be honest. But he no. did what he had to do to win. Nothing wrong with that. But eventually, when you get these comparisons, if you want to put butts in seats, you have to show out and take some chances. Shakur hasn't really done that. And these are the guys to take those chances against. Yeah, because he, they, dude, Akzilia had no shot in hell no. against Shakur. You could tell after like three rounds how fast Shakur was, controlling distance and everything else. There's nothing that he had for him. No, and then, you know, you're not going to open up for your first time ever against Oscar Valdez. Like, no, no exactly. you're, you're going to stick to your game plan. So that's going to be a defensive fight. People are going to say it's boring, but he's going to win. Um, in my opinion, he could lose to Oscar Valdez. But he could. I, I think, yeah, I think eking out a decision in the way he fights is favorable to the style that Oscar has. So same thing, Jamel Herring. Like, you're not going to open up against these guys. You have to open up and take your chances to see if you can do it against these guys you know you're outclassing. Yeah. So I, I get that. We'll see how he bounces back. Jamel Herring should be next. On the little shit talking at the end. We'll Boy, see how that goes. Fight. That's it's not gonna be easy. It's <sighs> Jamel Herring is man, it's tough because he's a champion. So it's hard to compare him to a UFC guy who isn't a champion. Right? But he's He's a guy who's like top three in the division, but you know, he's not like the superstar. Like he's beatable. Yeah. But it's going to be a hard out. It, it's going to be, you're, you're really going to be in for it. He ain't going to roll over. No, not at all. So that's, that's, that's going to be a tough one for Shakur. Um, and then we have Jermall Charlo fighting this weekend. The heavier Charlo defending his title. We have uh, NOI fighting on ESPN this weekend, defending his two belts at Bantamweight. Are either of these guys in any trouble? Are they, are the wins no. in doubt? No, these are two showcase fights. Yeah, so both, two mandatory opponents. Yeah, Charlo and NOI both need to stop their opponent and look impressive doing. Yeah, Inouye, NOI is going to break the brakes off of them. The, the killer instinct is there. And now that division, Bantamweight is one of the better divisions in boxing. Yeah, but yeah, you the, these are the fights, like Shakur, it's like these are the fights you have to go out there and impress yep. because nobody thinks you can lose these fights. You know you can't lose this fight. It's boxing. It's not MMA. It's not the UFC where anything can happen. Sure, I mean, yeah, one punch can change everything, but you know you're going to beat that ass. Take a few chances. Put some yep. fans' butts in seats. That's, what, that's especially what Charlo has to do. Oh, definitely, because he's... Obviously not landing the Triple G fight. Triple G is on a trajectory to um, fight in December to unify the titles, I believe. Yep. So then who's the other champion at 160? Uh, Andrade? Yeah, Demetrius Andrade. Yeah, Andrade. Yeah, listen. Whatever. No one wants to fight Boo Boo. No one wants to fight Boo Boo because Boo Boo ain't putting no ass this season. I like Boo Boo a lot. He's another fighter. He went the distance with Luke Keeler. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, Boo Boo versus Charlo makes all the sense in the world. It does. It needs to happen. It does. But, and then the winner gets Triple G. Make it a de facto little tournament. Yeah. I mean, this is what needs to happen. But Demetrius Andre is just one of those guys. Like, he's skilled. He's talented. But if you're not putting people away, at a certain point, fans just don't care. You got to stop some people. You have to. Yeah, and Charlo just has to dare to be great at this point. Go yeah. get those belts. Fuck it. 
You got to try something. You can't just sit back and hope Triple G takes your fight or hope Canelo's going to take the bait. Like, you still got to move up and fight. Like, go out there and get these belts. Force these people's hands. Yo, on another note, I'm so sick of people saying that, like, Canelo ducks black fighters. It's like the most absurd narrative I've ever seen. He's fought, like, three or four black champions. Well, they keep bringing up Charlo. They, they bring up Charlo. I'm like, why would Canelo fight? Charlo right now. What is there that Charlo has that Canelo will want? If you guys have noticed, Canelo fights for titles. Yeah. He ain't he, fighting. He's not going uh, to 160. He beat the hell out of Danny Jacobs not so long ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't understand. That's like close when people fight. say this. It, yeah, but people say these things and I'm like, wait a minute. So you want Canelo to go down to 60? Or they say he ducked him when, you know, Charlo was his mandatory. That didn't happen. Charlo was never his mandatory. No, and the WBC franchise Canelo, and then you have promoters, you got all this other shit. Yeah, Charlo just has to look impressive to the point where Canelo was like, Oh, it makes sense to fight you because right now there's no reason, there's just no reason for Canelo to step out and be like, Yeah, I'm gonna fight a guy. You, who has you know what would get his attention becoming the undisputed champion at 160. And if Canelo's undisputed at 168, and he goes, You know what, I like that challenge, possibly, but he's not fighting for 60 pound titles. No, he'd be putting his 168-pound titles on the line. But it's something you could sell. It's a challenge to him now. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, he wants to unify. but Undisputed versus undisputed. That's something that boosts his legacy, and he's all about legacy. Yeah. Again, it's something that he will want to do after he unifies the titles. Once he becomes undisputed, then sure. Because then it's a matter of defending against your mandatories. That's it. And I'm sure, like the WBC with their, their new slavery belt, um, I'm sure that they would. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I'm, but I'm sure that if if uh, if Charlo became undisputed, they would if he moved up and rank, they would immediately rate him number one and make him Canelo's mandatory. So yeah, that makes sense. But right now, it makes zero sense. Zero. And then uh, the other fight, last boxing match of the weekend. Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. versus Hector Camacho Jr. It looks like Chavez Sr.'s final fight. I we're listen, we're not treating this seriously. But will it be a better fight and more entertaining than his son in the co-main? Chavez Jr. versus Anderson the Spider Silva. Um, that's that's a good question. Which one is more entertaining? Because the last time they fought on the same card, Chavez Sr. completely outdid Chavez Jr. I mean, it's it's a hundred percent Chavez Senior is the more entertaining fighter, but Anderson Silva makes this whole thing with Chavez Junior interesting. Like, I I'm I may watch this freak show because that's what it is. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it no, too. I have no idea what Anderson Silva looks like without using his feet. I don't have a clue. I think he knows how to control space, but I don't. His stance was so wide. I don't know how this transitions to boxing. And I don't know because Chavez Jr. is a bum. So it's like he's a real fighter, but he's terrible. He's terrible. And he's That's a what he's gotten worse. It's amazing, right? Like he's he wasn't just, a bum always. He, he was never really that good. He was he was never that good. He rode his dad's coattails for a while. Yeah, he wasn't a bum, though. No, he wasn't a bum, but he was. Now he was he's a bum. bum. Yeah, now he's terrible. Nice things. He quits. Yeah. Mid fight. I think he quit in the last fight. Yeah, he's a quitter. Oh, my nose is broken. Oh, this, all that. He's a quitter. And nobody likes quitters. So when he's fighting Anderson Silva, let's just say Anderson frustrates him. Does he quit? 
You know Anderson's gonna do Anderson things. Anderson oh, yeah, should get knocked out. Anderson should get knocked out. Yeah. But out of all these crossover weirdo fights, I give Anderson the best shot of actually knocking out a boxer. Yeah, I do too. So if he floored, if he just drops Chavez Jr. once, that's probably all it takes. Yeah, but at the end of the day, when you said which fight is probably going to be more entertaining overall, probably Chavez Sr. and Camacho Jr. Because yeah. Chavez Sr. is going to fight. There's going to be no defense. No, and he's going to charge, and he's going to throw a billion punches. He's going to – well, not a billion. He's old. But he's, he's going to do what he has to do to entertain. It's an exhibition, whatever. He'll have more punch output than Shakur did. Yeah, that too. He'll throw 30 punches around. It's a crazy old man. He's, he's no one's told him that he's old. No, he doesn't. He's care. going in that shit fighting like he's 22 still. And you know, he's trying to upstage his son. Like, oh, don't get confused. Down. He's going to watch his son fight and be like, all right, son, let me show you to do this shit again. Yep. I can't imagine what he says to his son at home. Yo, the end of the Canelo fight says it all. <laughs> he just head in hands, just shaking his head like, damn, this is my offspring. This, this is what I brought into the world. He's like, yes. I failed you, Mexico. That's all, that was on his face. I failed yeah. you, Mexico. It's like when you get to a certain, like, when you have kids and you're able to give your kids the shit that you didn't have and they don't have to grind as hard, it makes it really difficult for them to be as hungry as you were when you were fighting your way to the top. So Chavez Jr. was born essentially with a silver spoon in his mouth. So he ain't got really got to train. He, he doesn't have to fight for his next meal. So it's, it's completely different for him. So, yeah, that's why he sucks. Yeah, it really is. Uh, let's take our last break. When we come back, going to recap UFC 263 and preview quickly the UFC card coming up this weekend. Don't go anywhere. MMA is up next. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going an extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, time for the home stretch. MMA is what we're talking to close out the show. Had a UFC pay-per-view. A good one. You know, all things considered, um, I was covering the fights, but I was able to go back and watch it so i was like all right dope i didn't think i would really have time to sit down and, and dig into the card but it seemed like this lasted forever but that's what happens when you have a five-round fight for no reason in the middle of your main card yeah you have a bunch of decisions ton of decisions but the fights themselves did seem pretty cool um lauren murphy beat joanne calderwood that's something i think we both got wrong um, no, you picked Lauren Murphy. No, I picked Lauren Murphy. Yeah. You picked Calderwood. But so, Calderwood won that fight. Like, if anybody watches it, she looked like she won the first and the third, and Lauren Murphy won the second. But, I saw yeah. you gave her the first and the third. 
a lot of people gave her the first and third. Yeah, but bullet's gonna crush her. It doesn't matter. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a one way ticket to hell. That's what you're fighting for. Yep. But main card light heavyweight Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. Jesus Christ. I thought Hill was gonna keep rolling. Listen, he ended up the one place you don't want to end up. That's on the ground. And his arm, one how he fought after getting locked up. His arm is in there. You see it hyperextend. And then he keeps going and it goes. And then he gets stopped shortly after that. But man, when he gets up and the shit's just hanging there, swinging to and fro like an elephant's trunk. I was like, this shit's not good. Medic, somebody, nobody came in. He actually did the hand raise at the end of the fight. Yeah, his arm slipped out of place again. Ridiculous. Like, somebody got to notice this. Anybody. But you know the crazy thing is? He didn't break his arm. It's just dislocated, right? Yeah. They said it, and he was fine. He had full range of motion uh, after the fight. Well, after the press conference. That's crazy. Ugh. That still hurts like a mofo, though. Of course it does. God. Yeah, it, it looked horrible. So he loses first loss. Um, Paul Craig looked good. And it's a new blood and heavy, light heavyweight division, just not who we thought it was going to be. But still, it's a good opener for the card because that that arm went viral and it was cringy. Oh, yeah, that was bad. And then, yeah, second fight, Bilal Muhammad versus Damian Maya. Bye-bye, Damian Maya. So Maya loses a decision to Bilal Muhammad. We talked about Bilal and, you know, unfortunately the eye poke didn't get to follow through with Leon Edwards in that fight, but now comes back, continues on his winning ways. And Damian Maya, you just, he don't got it anymore. Nah, man. He, you know, he's a submission specialist, but if you're striking ain't there and you're a little bit older and it's like, what is he, 43? Yeah, and you don't got the explosiveness to get people on the ground. Well, he never really had the explosiveness, but, you know, he, he knew how to clinch to take down. And now he's fighting younger fighters who are stronger. We ain't falling for your bullshit. So, yeah. Damn, Maya, 43, about to be 44. Yeah. It's, yeah. He didn't have much of a chance. No. But. So he is, he is Bellator Damian Maya if he wants to continue. But he's had a good run. I mean, 43 still in UFC. You, you've done well for yourself. I mean, he fought Anderson Silva for the middleweight title in an absolutely dreadful fight, but he fought in it. So. <laughs> it might be Silva's horse fight. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That fight sucked. Abu Dhabi, that shit was terrible. And then next fight, Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. Five-rounder. And Nate must bleed. I don't know who bleeds more, Nate or Cody. Cody. He bleeds every week. <laughs> so Nate goes in. I mean, gets swept the first four rounds. Leon looks good in all aspects. And then Nate rocks Leon with like a minute left in the fight. Points at him, laughs at him. Can't close it out, though. Leon survives. And... You close your eyes, you just listen. After this, I swear to God, you think Nate Diaz won this fight. Yeah. Nate Diaz left as the bigger star after landing one punch that rocked Leon Edwards than Leon did. I would argue Nate is one fight away from a championship fight if he wants, and Leon is probably needing to take another fight before getting a title opportunity to. Well, I mean, Colby Covington is already next in line. So, yes, Leon has to take another fight. Um, 
I can't think of another fighter who is as mediocre in record as Nate Diaz is that's as big of a star. I've never seen anything like this. Superstar. I've compared him to the Emmanuel Augustus of MMA. <laughs> Shout out to Emmanuel Augustus. I just followed him on a ringside IG not too long ago. I posted a carousel. And you'd be surprised how many people don't know about the drunken master. No, the drunken, but he was entertaining as hell. Um, he gave a lot of opponents problems. Floyd has always said it's his toughest fight. He was robbed in like half his loss. Oh, yes, yes. Habitually. And yeah, it just constantly happened. But he came to fight. He was fun to watch. But he was never like a big star. Nate Diaz has thrived in mediocrity. Like, I can't explain this. Name another 20 and 13 fighter who is a bigger star. Like, he got dominated for four minutes. Wait, tw- was that 29 minutes of the fight he got dominated? Then he lands a right hand. 24. You gave him a sixth oh, round. Oh, yeah, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I did give him a sixth round. Um, so, yes, 24 minutes. So, Nate Diaz lands a right hand, right? If you bet on this fight, I'm certain you want to kill Nate Diaz because he steps back and points at Leon Edwards, and Leon is dead to rights. Yep. He had a minute left. Nate Diaz could have finished him off, but he didn't. And you know what? Nobody cares. <laughs> no. the people that bet on Nate Diaz, nobody cares. He's become a bigger star. And who does he fight now? That's that's the new question. Like, who does Nate Diaz fight now? Um, I mean, Nate, Masvidal is still a fight. But they want to run it back. They don't um, that. Nate Connor, if Connor loses. That's always there. Yeah. I mean, that you really got to pull the trigger on that if Connor loses. Because you got to get that. You can't wait any longer. Um, and that could happen at welterweight. Uh, t- I mean, Nate Cowboy is a fight. If you want that, nah, no, there's some. That. I mean, his name value in that fight. I'm just saying, Cowboys. He's washed. Well, Nate could get a win. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I kind of figure that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you match Nate up because it's not like he's gonna fight a. Jeff Neal or Santiago Ponzinibbio or Vicente Luque. Like, I don't, I don't know who he fights. Nah, he waits to see what Connor does. If Connor wins, then yeah, you got to move him on to someone like Cowboy. Give him one win and then give him Masvidal. And that gives you a rematch for BMF and you get some money out of it. Dude, that should not be the bad motherfucker title. We just watched Jorge Masvidal get knocked in the next week. Oh, quick fast. By a guy he said he couldn't punch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cruel irony. And then um, co-main event, Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueroa. Or excuse me, Figueroa. (sighs) For as long as it lasted, I think this fight lived up to what people hoped it was going to be. And I was shocked when Brandon Moreno sunk in the submission. And I was like, yo, that's deep. And I'm just checking it on my phone at this point because the boxing matches are over. I'm watching on my phone. I'm like, yo, that's deep. Oh, that's getting deeper. Oh, it's over. And I love the celebration at the end. I love the emotion. And talking about a guy who was the last pick of his tough season, cut by the UFC, comes back. In a division people thought would be out of here. It's 
one of the most improbable UFC title victories ever. Mm, I don't say ever. It wasn't going to be a division for him to win a title in. For yeah, I mean, while kids. that's true, there there was other like huge upsets. Matt Sarah beating GSP was pretty. Oh, I said one of, of course. That's like that Holly Holm with the head kick. Like, there's some yeah. other ones. I feel like, like it's up this, there. It's it's well the problem is, is they had a draw in their first fight so you know we we all thought that Figueroa would win the rematch but the thing about this fight was that Brandon uh, Brandon he dominated this fight from the opening bell like there Figueroa had nothing Figueroa had nothing for him at all and I'm gonna blame the weight cut oh he looked horrible on the scale the day before I'm not gonna take anything away from Brandon Moreno's performance but I'm gonna say that Figueroa cut too much weight. The night of the day of the fight, he thought, I need to conserve my energy. So he started slow. Moreno was like, fuck that. I'm not conserving anything. And went right after him and looked amazing doing so. And yeah, won a submission. You're right. I mean, last pick of the ultimate fighter, got cut, brought him back. And now he's a champ. It's a volatile division, man. First Mexican-born champion. Um, They put up a mural for him in like, 10 hours. Yeah, they were like, I, I don't know if they were standing <laughs> by the wall. Like, I don't know what's going on and how they figure that part out. Their, their like, Getty account loaded faster than mine. How do you even get the Getty for that that quick? I don't know. I don't know. But Brand, Brandon Moreno being champ is one of the feel-good stories of 2021. Uh, I don't – I still don't know what the hell is going on in that division. Like, if you look at the division, figure out he, he's got to move up at a certain point. Like, he can't make this weight. Yeah. But who, I guess Askarov might be next. They need another ultimate fighter for that division. Yeah. You got to fill need, it out. They don't need any else. Are you watching the season ultimate fighter? Because I'm not. I, I am not. Okay. They don't need any ultimate fighters. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> my bandwidth isn't, isn't like, allowing that. Like we watch too much pro wrestling. I have to cover three boxing matches this week. No, no, I can't do it. Yeah, anybody watch that. Like, they need to have an ultimate fighter. It has to be a different formula. Maybe they should just do a tournament of champions with all the regional promotions. Like, not with the ultimate fighter in mind, but actually bring in fighters from other promotions. Just have them all fight each other. Didn't they do that to see who would fight Mighty Mouse once? And it was a champion from all the promotions. Yeah, but I don't need to watch an hour of the same stories to get there. Just give me a fight card on free television. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the Dana White Contender Series. Yeah, something like that. Or even Where it's even, just fights. Yeah, I don't, I don't need all the fluff because they, the stories are the same. Well, I came from nothing, and I'm an MMA fighter, and my kids are at home. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. And we're all in this house, and we're going to get drunk, and then we're going to fight each other. I don't care about that. Just give me fights. I mean, Bellator does a great job with these tournaments. Yeah, they just announced uh, July 31st. Yes. It's, it's going to be McKee. Versus Pitbull. That's going to be crazy. I don't know who's going to win that fight. Yeah, I don't either. That's a huge fight. but I, I, Which is somewhat disrespectful for Pitbull that I'm just not picking him right away. But I I don't know. I mean, look, man, AJ McKee is the truth. You know what? Before we get to the main event, though, we have to talk about Clarissa Shields' PFL debut. Oh, yes, yes, because uh, we recorded before that. Um, Man, so Clarissa going over from boxing to MMA – headlining the PFL card and shout out to Clay Collard who won again, dual sport athlete can't mention 
uh, her doing it in both sports without him. But she is the GOAT in boxing and going over training down in Albuquerque. And it looked bleak to start off. So she gets taken down um, in the first round relatively easy. In the second round, she has a chance to kind of get up and back away. She doesn't. She tries to engage, ends up on her back again for the majority of that round. What she showed is that she can remain calm and she was okay with defending herself, wasn't taking too much damage off of her back, which was good against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. So looked good. And then third round comes. Um, she's on her back again, almost gets submitted in an arm bar. It looked Fairly easy and deep, but she kept calm, twisted out of it, was able to get up, and then that's where she lands this uppercut from hell and lands flush, and then it was a rack, ground and pound city, and she was racking up to significant strikes. I believe in the fight, she went 93 for 99 in total strikes. This girl didn't miss. At all when she was able to punch. The accuracy is uncanny. She just has to stay on her feet. But even when it was on the ground, people were like, oh, well, why would she go to the ground? Or her opponent could have just got up. If you watch that first uppercut that Clarissa feeds her, when she sprawls out, has the leverage, and she just wings it and hits her flush with this uppercut, it was a wrap after that. The girl had no clue where she was anymore. And Clarissa would do whatever she wanted on the ground after that. Dude, I've seen people, you know, yes, Clarissa Shields needs a lot of work. But this is a woman, two-time Olympic gold medalist, has boxed her entire life, has decided to dip her toe into MMA because women's boxing ain't shit until they get this thing figured out to get these women more money. Women's MMA, is, is they get more attention and more money, I guess. And she takes this chance being an undefeated fighter. It's not like Conor McGregor fighting the best in the world. She's putting her wokeness on the line. Like, even if she would have lost, yes, of course, a lot of people would have been like, yeah, you know, MMA is different than boxing. But her haters would have loved it. Oh, they reveled loved in it. it. They had the drafts ready. Yeah, they were, they were ready. to. But And then she won. I give her so much credit, man. I don't think we give Clarissa Shields enough credit for taking this chance. You know, people say, like, oh, she fought a regional fighter with not a good record. Dude, it's like a rudimentary boxer against an MMA fighter. Still a boxer. A real boxer. You know what I'm saying? So it's like she won. She had no experience. Who did you want her to fight? She fought someone with nine fights experience. Yeah. Like it's insane. Like everyone's not Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, what he was given a cupcake the first fight and then rocketed to the top. Yeah. But he still lost to Frank Mir. Still lost Frank Mir. Came back and then um, won again and then won the title. Cool. But you look at that and it's just like, no, Clarissa is not going to be rocketed up. She's, She's young. She's not at the end. You don't have to rush her to the top. Like, oh, Kayla Harris is there. Put it for what? They let Kayla build. Let her build. Let's see if she can gain the skills and technique the correct way. We look at Francis Ngannou and what he means to the heavyweight division, how scary he is as a heavyweight in the men's division. Francis Ngannou hadn't stepped into a gym when he was Clarissa's age. Yeah. And never laced him up in a gym yet. And now he's one of the scariest people on the planet. Give her that time. And the other thing I hate is, listen, we, this is professional sports. I understand people are always like, oh, well, they're questionable about things. Like, oh, this woman took a dive. It's like, come on. If you're going to take a dive, I've seen people take dives. 
trust. You're not getting punched 50 times in the face during this dive. Yeah, people say dumb shit. So, you know. Could the armbar have been locked in? Sure. I don't know why she slipped off of it and didn't cinch that in. But again, it was locked in in the third round of the fight. Maybe some sweat saved Clarissa's life. Or at least her arm. Yeah. She was able to wiggle out. It's harder to lock in submissions later on in fights. And served her the meanest one piece. Not, not even a two piece and a biscuit. She gave her the big piece of chicken, as Chris Tucker says. She gave her that bang right to the grill, and it was over. And fed her 40 more for her troubles after that. So it's scary power. Because when Clarissa lands, when she was on her feet in rounds two and three to start off and teeing off on her, I was like, oh, nah, this ain't lasting long. If she would have been on her feet for a combined 30 seconds at a time, the fight would have been over anyway. Yeah, so. They match no, her hard as hell with a grappler. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it. I was like, I'm surprised. I was, I was wild as hell to put Clarissa in there with a grappler. I thought they put her in with a striker. They didn't. They put her in there with a grappler and she still won. Get that woman credit, man. I love Crystal Shields. And then her post-fight interview, perfect. Oh, she's, great. Just a great, she's just enjoyable. So people that hate on her, I just don't understand it. I don't. Dude, it's, we talk about it all the time. It's always easier to hate the loud, boisterous, confident black person. Of course it is. Than it is for them to be a baby face. So, you know, I, I think we're maybe getting past that and moving to territory where people now overtly respect her, especially when we see all these MMA people going to boxing and everyone's like, oh, why don't the boxers come over here? She's like, yeah, I got this. Now what? Because they've been clamoring for male boxers to do it for the past three, four years since Connor. So now she's doing it and they can't say shit. It's what you, you said couldn't be done. This is real fighting. She proved she can really fight. So can't wait to see what's next for her uh, in the main event of the UFC card, 263, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. Israel Adesanya is the king of the walkout. Yeah, of course he is. The Lincoln Park. Um, he had the, the entrance from uh, GOT with the, with the hat and the mask. It, it was just perfect on the entrance. And then Marvin Vittori comes out. And it goes the distance because I, I feel like Israel was still safe in this fight, but Vittori never had a chance. Israel wasn't making a mistake. And it was wild to me to see how different it was than their first fight and how much better Israel Adesanya has gotten. Hey, I said it. Israel Adesanya got taken down the first fight against Vittori twice. He had only been taken down two times since then. Joel Romero. No, did Romero take him down? Gastelum? No, it was and, Gastelum and, and uh, found, Brad Tavares. Tavares, yeah, we found the random ass person. Yeah, it was the only two people that had taken him down since. And Vittori got him down, but he couldn't keep him down. But I think the big moment in this fight, it was like similar to Tyson Fury getting up from Deontay Wilder's punch, is when Vittori got his back, tried to sink in a rear naked choke, and then got swept. That was the moment that Vittori was like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I've got nothing. Israel was just staring down at him, and he was like, oh, shit. He was like, I didn't expect this. And then Vittori, he's clearly delusional because he thought he won this fight, too. I'm like, this dude is nuts. He got oh, he wasn't, yeah, it wasn't even in this fight. It wasn't close. Like, he lost the rounds where he ended up getting Israel on the ground. Because he did nothing. He did nothing. 
in this fight. And anytime they were on the feet, he was just getting pieced up. He, dog, he had no chance. Like, he had no chance. All he had was a wrestler's chance. But I figured it would go the distance because neither of them have ever been stopped before. But it was it was just one-way traffic, man. Adesanya's too good. We need some measurables. If, if Adesanya fought for the light heavyweight title again, I would still give him more than a fair chance at winning that. Yeah, Jan's too big for him. I mean, that was a clear difference maker in that fight. Jan was, and that was still three rounds to two. Yeah, but you know that's a big guy. Adesanya is very small. He's very thin. He'd have to do what John Jones did and say, "I'm not going back," and really not like pack on the pounds and like muscle lift like John Jones is doing, but just commit to 205 pounds, and his body will naturally gravitate towards that. And then he'd be more comfortable at that weight. Yeah, but I just don't see it happening right now. I don't think oh. so. I think he rules this division. I think he wants Silva's record. Yeah, and you look at, like, some people compare Anderson Silva, but I was like, that when Anderson Silva went up to light heavyweight, he fought James Irwin and, like, Stefan Bonner. So it's like, yeah, like, like yeah, cool. it's not the same. Like, there, no. there's killers in the light heavyweight division now. It's not like Anderson Silva moved up and fought the John champion. Jones yeah. or, you know, Rashad Evans. Like, that didn't happen. So... It's not the same. These guys are a lot bigger, stronger. The game has evolved. Adesanya, he's perfectly fine at middleweight and fighting everybody and beating everybody there. I have no problem with it. Yeah, be the Bobby Mar- Knuckles Marvin is next. Hag- yeah, he could be the Marvin Hagler of the middleweight division in MMA. Let's see if Bobby Knuckles changes stuff up no, and, and so. serves a different puzzle. I think maybe he could go distance. Like, that's, that's the consolation prize. It's just you can't throw hands with him. That's what everybody learns without a sign. You can't throw hands with him because he will hurt you. And that's oh, definitely. Does. So we'll see how that one plays out. This week, we have a fight card. I figure we just talk about the main event because it's one of those, like, all right, it's just in the middle of the thing. Oh, even though we have Matt Brown versus Diego Lima. Matt Brown still fights? <laughs> yes, I, honest to God, I thought he was just a coach now. No, nah, man, he still fights. Oh, shit. Well, he's not winning that. Um, and then he's not going to Bellator. I feel like Dana likes him. So, yeah, he'll he'll retire in the UFC. This just might be the retirement. Um, in the main event, though, we have Korean Zombie. It's Dan H. Uh, yeah, I guess that's only fight to preview. I'm making sure. Marlon Vera versus Davey Grant. No. Olenek versus Spivak. I mean, it's, it's an, I mean the car is Olenek got 75 fights. Yeah, Ole Nick's been fighting like longer than we've been alive. He is 43. Yeah, he is 10 years my senior. Dude is he's been here for a long time. But no, this card is, you know, if we had a if we had like a straight MMA show to talk about betting, yeah, we talk about this card. But we don't. So there's only thing one thing to pay attention to is the zombie versus Ige, and I think it's a hell of a fight. Um he is I'm picking the zombie because I feel like he has to get revenge after Brian Ortega. And I, I'm sure he doesn't want to really get in a striking match with Danny Gay. He's going to have to find a way to get the fight to the canvas. This is a really good fight. It's a really good main event. I'm sure I'm going to watch this entire card and torture myself probably on Sunday. Um, no, I'm not watching this shit on Sunday. What am I talking about? I don't know what I'm watching this card. <laughs> Got to find a time to, to sneak it in. It will um, be watched. It won't be watched on Saturday. It's my wife's birthday. So I ain't watching none of this shit until maybe I'll be up like crazy late and watch these fights. But 
it's a good main event. So it's a one fight. You take show. the weekend off for my wife. Yeah, I like it. No, that's good. I mean, good. dog, I have so many vacation days, and I, oh, I have an insane amount too. And the fact is, is that uh, fall is about to be really insane, and I have a feeling that I'm not going to be able to use all my vacation days, and they'll roll over again. So I'm going to start using them in the summer, because obviously, uh, I'm. Looks like I'm gonna be going to the UK whenever they announce this Joshua Usyk fight. And oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a lot. Forgot of Forgot about that. A lot of back travel. on the road. Back on the road again. <laughs> so yeah, and this one I'm going with Korean Zombie as well. I just think this is a backup, uh, a good bounce back fight for him, like you pointed out. I think it's gonna be a war. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it went the distance. It's just yeah, his face is gonna be busted up. He's gonna be bleeding. Dan's gonna be bleeding. It's. Dan's going to escape one submission. Uh, Korean Zombie's going to get rocked once and survive at the end of a round. It's going to be one of those fights where it's going to have everything. Um, just give him the fight of the night bonus for right now because I think it's going to be that good. But give me Zombie to pull out a decision like three to two. So, that's yeah, that's, that's what I see in this fight. Um, what I see for the show, though, is it coming to an end? We appreciate you guys for listening. It's been a long one. But again, this is what happens when we go a couple of days without recording that we got to catch you guys up on everything that was happening. Make sure you follow us on social media if you haven't already, though, at Twitter, at Corner Podcast underscore. On Instagram, we are Corner Club for Life. Follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshows.com. Just dropped a new episode on there. It is very, very fun and enlightening. And we have some big guests still to come in the, what, next two or three weeks. So it's only getting bigger and better as we roll into the summer and more and more wrestling comes along. So make sure you guys check out that as well. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network, all of our sponsors for keeping the lights on. You guys stay safe. As we said earlier, the Rona is still around. Don't get sick. Be safe as everything opens up. Take care of yourselves. And we'll be back later in the week with a pro wrestling show because we have a pay-per-view this weekend. Yes, some people may have forgotten, but we have a WWE pay-per-view to talk about. And we have to recap NXT in your house. So don't miss that. We'll be back later in the week. But for now, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.